Luke chapter uh, 15, verses 11 to 32. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring the quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he has received back him back safe and sound but the brother was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look these many years i have served you and never disobeyed your command you never gave me a young goat that i might celebrate with my friends when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and the father said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Really good to be here uh, this afternoon. My instinct to say this morning or this evening, but it's sort of like in the middle, isn't it? So, um, yeah, really great to be here. It's so good to be part of the Commission family as well, isn't it? Um, I uh, didn't grow up in a co-mission church, so when I came to Kingston, sort of learnt about it for the first time. But it is nice to be connected in a, this particular way, to be part of a network of churches that love the gospel and reaching um, uh, lost people and then celebrating um, when they come into the family. So uh, do keep your Bibles open in front of you, um, because we'll be looking at them as we, as we go through this. Um, but I'm going to pray um, before I start. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are our Father um, and that you uh, pursue us and you, you seek us um, and you have found us. Um, and I thank you, Lord, uh, for that. I pray, please, as we look at this passage tonight, we would see what a loving Father you are and how wonderfully you celebrate when um, we come back to you um, as your children. So please help us by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is uh, one of the most famous parables, I think, in, in the Bible. 
Um, there's lots of famous parables and stories in the Bible. There's uh, Noah's Ark, there's Jonah and the whale, um, there's uh, David and Goliath, and then there's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, and then I think you've got this one, the, the prodigal son or the lost son. And I think a lot of people are confused by the, the older brother in this story. The younger brother, I think everyone seems to get and understand. It's a nice little story. It's in a lot of like uh, assemblies in schools. It's a story of a young boy who, well, a young man who loses his way, um, kind of goes on the wrong path, messes up, but then comes back and his father welcomes him. And it's a really lovely little sort of story if you draw a circle around just that bit. But the older brother kind of stumps a lot of people. I was chatting to my wife's grandmother, um, who was in hospital a few months ago, um, and I was trying to, um, she's not a Christian, so I was trying to uh, speak to her about some gospel things, and I said to her that I was preaching on, on Sunday, this was a few months ago, she said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on the parable of the lost son. She's, she hasn't really been to church her whole life, but she said, ah, oh, yeah, I know that one, I know that one. I always felt sorry for the older brother, <laughs> she said. Um, and I think a lot of people think that because um, this, you know, he's working hard and nothing seems to happen. And then this younger one who comes back, who's messed up, comes back and there's a party for him. I think if you don't understand the story, you can, you can understand what's going on there. Anyway, so I, I, w- I want us to see really that there's only one real difference um, between these two brothers. Uh, they look very different. But actually, there's only one real key difference, and that's that they, one of them knows who the father is, and the other one doesn't. Um, so that's what I want us to see tonight. It doesn't really matter whether you're a younger son here. Maybe you've um, spent your whole life uh, away from God, uh, messing up, breaking all the rules, and, but you've come back to him. It doesn't matter whether that's you, or perhaps you've been sat in church every Sunday, every day, every Sunday of your life. Uh, it doesn't really matter which one you are. The only thing that matters is, how, do you see God as father? Because that's how he... That's how he is. He wants to see you as children. So let's take a look at this story. Verse 11 um, begins, this is Jesus speaking. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now that introduction, if you said it to someone who just walked in off the street, probably wouldn't sound too outrageous. Kind of sounds normal. Um... It doesn't actually sound that alarming, does it? As his son, he goes to his father saying, please, can I have some money? It doesn't sound too bad. In fact, I was um, doing Christianity Explored course not so long ago, and the guy I was looking at the story with thought it was a really positive introduction. They were like, wow, this guy's showing entrepreneurship. He's like tenacity. He wants, he wants some money to go and make a living, and he wants uh, to make something of himself. He doesn't want to sponge off his father his whole life. But actually, in order to understand the story, we need to look at it through the glasses uh, of the people listening to the story. And it's not Dragon's Den. Father, give me some money so I can go and do these things. We need to look at this through the lens of the people that Jesus was selling to. And when we do that, we see that it's a jaw-dropping introduction that Jesus starts with here. This story is jaw-dropping. And firstly, it's jaw-dropping because this request was completely unheard of. Completely unheard of. It was scandalous. This isn't, this isn't a son going to his father asking for a small loan. This is a son going to his father and saying, I can't wait for you to die so I can have my money now. So please, can you just give it to me now? He's saying, I can't wait for you to die. He doesn't want his father at all, does he? He just wants what his father can give him. 
what he can get from his father. And in Jewish families especially, which this story was kind of um, in the context of, in Jewish families, the father is the patriarch of the whole family. The whole family relies on the father to look after them, to provide for them. So if you, want to, if you wish the person at the top was dead, you don't really care much about anyone else in the family either. Because what's going to happen to them then? He doesn't care. So actually, this guy doesn't just want his father to be dead. He doesn't really care about the rest of his family. He's an enemy of his own family in lots of ways. So jaws would have dropped. They would have gone, what? What did he say? And secondly, it's just as jaw-dropping because of what the father does next. Look at verse 12. Immediately after being asked, it says in verse 12, and he divided his property between them. What? You know, what should have happened was the son would have come to the father and said, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me the money now. And what should have happened, the father would have gone, uh, no, get out now. Yeah? Like those nature documentaries, I don't know if you've seen them, where there's like a, I don't know what you call a collection of gorillas, a family of gorillas, but there's like a silverback who's been there and there's a young, hungry gorilla, you know, who's just starting to get in. He's like, oh yeah, I think I could take him, yeah. I want, I, want, I want this clan of gorillas to be mine, yeah. I want all the ladies. I want them to be... Uh... And then he goes and challenges the silverback, and then the silverback just beats him up, black and blue, and then he scurries back off into the jungle. That's what should have happened here. That's what the people listening to this were expecting to hear. But the father doesn't do that in this story. The father just splits it. There's no questions asked. He doesn't do anything. He, he just gives the younger son his share. And what's amazing is that it's not like going to the cash point and going, well, let me just take out one third of my money. Here you go. He had to sell off one third of his property, his life's work. That's a huge amount of his income, his kind of security, uh, all of these things, his possessions. So we're one paragraph in and our jewels have hit the floor twice. And actually wondering, why on earth did the father just let him have it? That's not what should have happened. You know, Jesus is telling this story for a reason, so why is it that the Father's just done this? What picture is he painting? And I think that picture is of a son who's already left. He's, he's still there physically, but he's checked out in his heart and mind. And I think his father could see that. And his father knows the only way for his son to come back to him is if he comes back to his senses. You know, there's just this fight. You know, you, there's no, I can't, I, I can't reason with this you've lost your mind you need to come to your senses and then come back to me and I think that's an important lesson for us because this youngest son didn't become a sinner the moment that he went and spent all his money on wild living we see that in verse 13 it says not many days later the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living so it wasn't the prostitutes or the wild parties or the orgies that made this guy sinful, wasn't the drunkenness or drugs that he took. He became a sinner the moment his father ceased to be his father in his heart, and he wanted him dead. The moment that he was like, actually, happiness, satisfaction, meaning, is found outside of the family home. It's out there, it's not with you, father. It's separate to you. That was the moment that he became a sinner. And you can just see him, can't you? You can just imagine him. He's pacing around his room in circles. He's looking out the window. He sees his brother working his fingers to the bone. And he thinks, I don't, have to, I don't want to have to do that to get my inheritance. 
In fact, I'm going to get less than him, even if I work as hard as that. I don't want to have to, like, wait until I'm really old and my dad's dead before I get my money. No, why does it matter? I'm young. Now is the time that I should be given the money. Think about all the things I could do with it. Why doesn't my father want me to have it? I hate him. I wish he was dead. So he's doing this, going round and round circles. He's, 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 he's kicking himself up. He just wants what his father can give him. He doesn't want his father at all. And so his father sees this in his eyes. He's like, my son's already gone. He's bought into this lie. So he goes, yep. He lets him go. So before the son violates any rules, he's violated his relationship with the father. Before he breaks technically any rules that we might go, ooh, that was a bit bad. Before he does that, he's broken his relationship with his father. The son's already left. And even though he's bought into this poster idea of what life is like, you know, you see those posters for tourism or something and it says like oh come and explore over here it's, it's a wonderful world over there go go over there and do these things he's bought into that idea but he's not read the small print on the poster and the small print says that actually everything pays out in the end and the wages of sin are not satisfaction or peace or happiness like he thought they were going to be See, the wages of sin the bible says is death And he's handed his paycheck pretty quickly in regards to that. It doesn't take long, does it? He goes from being a rich young man who's got everything he could ever possibly want in life to being in need in just one verse. That's how quickly this happens. So look at verse 14. It says, When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So this poster that he's conjured up in his mind, he can see it. Oh, life is away from the Father. This poster promised plenty, but actually now he's in need. This poster promised freedom, but now he's had to hire himself out to someone. He's never belonged to anyone except his father before. He thought freedom would be away from the Father, but it's the opposite. Now he belongs to someone else. The poster promised friends, but this passage says no one gave him anything. The poster promised pleasure and satisfaction, but now he's so in need, he's longing to eat what the pigs eat. And we have to remember that actually pigs were filthy animals to the Jews. I think they're pretty disgusting now, and I'm not a Jew. So imagine to a Jew, these are not just things that make you physically unclean. These are things that make you spiritually unclean before God. So it's bad enough just working in the same field as them. This guy wants to eat what they're eating. Yeah? This is the, the, the picture Jesus is painting here of this guy is like the lowest of the low. He is here absolute rock bottom. He's gone from rich, free, young man to rock bottom in one single verse. But it is here in this lowest place imaginable with the pigs that this guy realises his mistake. And this is kind of what the father wanted him to happen to him. So as he looks around him and he sees actually that this poster that he believed in is a lie, as he starts to come back into his right mind, he says this to himself in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So as the the madness slowly disappears, he remembers that actually, instead of the monster he thought his father was, remember him pacing around in his room? Instead of that monster he thought his father was, actually, he goes, no, my father was abundantly generous. 
Even the servants had food to eat. So how much more did I have as his son? How wrong I was about my father. He realises that now. He thought his father was evil, holding him against his will. He thought he was stingy, but now he realises. He was wrong about that. And now he wants to go back to the father. So in verse 18, he resolves this to himself. He says, I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, you think back, Jesus is telling this story. Jaws dropped at the beginning bit. And the Pharisees who were listening to this story, who were like the um, self-righteous religious people of that day, they, they were a bit confused by this beginning because it didn't go the way they thought it was going to. But now they're excited because oh, this guy is going to get it when he goes back to his dad. What is his dad going to do? Now his dad's going to beat him up, isn't he? Now he's going to be like, what have you done with my money? You are disgusting. So they're, they're, they're smacking their lips because Jesus just described the perfect sinner. But before they can get too carried away with their thoughts, Jesus carries on the story in verse 20 and says this. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And I think that what happens here paint some of the most beautiful pictures of God in the whole Bible. What happens here? Because firstly, the father was looking out for the son. He was waiting for him. He was longing for him to come home. He wasn't sitting at home going, oh, my son's taken my money. And, oh. he, was, he was every day looking far in the distance, hoping his son was going to come home. He saw him when he was a long way off. Secondly, when he saw him with pig filth all over him and stinking, he's not filled with rage. He's filled with compassion. We're told. He doesn't even send a delegation to go and tidy his son up. You can imagine him going, oh, I'm glad my son's home. You and you, please can you go and wash him and clean him before, before he has an audience with me? He doesn't do that. He personally himself goes towards his son. And thirdly, as he goes towards his son and he gets closer and he can smell him more and he can see in more detail the dirt and the disgustingness and the ripped clothes and the dishevelled hair, he's not put off by that, the more closely he sees the bad things, the faster he runs towards him. Because we're told that when he reaches him, he embraces him. He throws his arms around him. I actually get the sense that he's speeding up as he gets closer. And then when he reaches him, he does the most unimaginable thing. Yeah, It's a Jewish father. Uh, his son is covered in pig filth. And he kisses him. With coronavirus now, we can't even shake each other's hands, yeah? let alone kiss each other. But this is worse than coronavirus, and he still kisses him. And in verse 21, the son says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, the son knew that his sin was breaking with the father. He doesn't come to him and go, Father, here's a long list of all the things I've spent your money on that I shouldn't have. Here's a long list of things that I've done wrong. He comes to him and he says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He knows his sin was breaking his relationship with his father. 
But before he's able to finish this rehearsed line of his, where he was going to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, treat me as one of your servants, the father quickly speaks over him. And he reinstates him as his son. And I really personally like the detail that he doesn't even get the opportunity to ask to be anything else. This is almost as if the father knows where he's going. And he's like, no, 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 no. But, and, and the son's like, father? He's like, no, don't even think that. Don't even go there. And the best robe is brought out to cover his filth. The family ring is put back on his finger. He doesn't deserve any of it. This is these terrible decisions this guy's made. Awful things. He wanted his father dead. He hated his family. Doesn't deserve these things. But look at the, the love of the father. And then the father says in verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Can you imagine the feeling? Coming to your... Your, your father, your Jewish father, covered in, in mud and, and the filth of pigs, having wanted him dead, knowing that he knew that as well, having thrown the family ring away and thinking you'd never, maybe he sold it for drinking money, that's how cheaply he thought of it, coming back to him on the cusp of asking to just be a servant and then having the best family robe put over his shoulders. And the ring put back on his finger. He's undeniably, he just stinks. And this beautiful robe is just placed on top of him. Well, that is the grace and the love of God for sinners. So if you are a sinner here today, that is a picture of God's love for you and his grace for you. Jesus is called a friend of sinners. So if you know that you've broken away from the Father, maybe you've thrown away the family ring, God's family ring. Don't know if you have. Perhaps at some point in your life, maybe you have now. Then this is what Jesus wants for you. He wants the embrace, the kiss, the robe and the ring for you. Don't believe the lie which our hearts tell us, which is I'm too filthy to go back to God. Look at me. He's not going to want to welcome me back with no shoes on and with uh, my ring missing and my hair dishevelled and covered in pig stuff. He wants to put the family ring back on your finger. And look at what the father says about the son here in verse 24. He says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And I love that he says, for this my son, he says. He was dead, yes, he was dead. He was lost, but he was still my son. You see, we don't celebrate when we find things that don't belong to us, do we? When we saw the sheep and the coin uh, little thing a minute ago, we celebrated because it was her coin and her sheep that she lost. If the father had just seen another man walking down the drive towards his home, he wouldn't have got excited. He would have gone, well, that's not my son. It was the fact that it was his son that was coming down. And so you might be dead in your sins now. You might be lost now. But you are still God's child. He's still your father. And so will you come back to him? That's what I want to ask you. Whatever state you've gotten yourself into in this world, will you come back to him? Because look at the, the welcome that you will receive if you, if you do. 
So that's the first son. Now we come to the older son. And I'm going to say quickly about him that actually he looks like a saint. But, and that's why we get confused by him. Because he looks like a saint. But actually he's, he's got his father wrong as well. Look at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. So in comparison to the younger son, he already looks like the better son, doesn't he? Because he's in the field. The younger son went and squandered, but the older one is working hard to protect what's left of the two thirds of the estate. So he looks like... He's doing all right. And then that's why, when he comes out all guns blazing now, you kind of feel like he's justified. Look at verse 28. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He's like, not only has this guy shamefully squandered your hard, hard work, but now you honour him and you throw even more money at him because you're celebrating that he's back. It's easy to feel for him, isn't it? A little bit. I think so. But this is the thing about the older brother. He parallels the younger son. The younger son wanted freedom from the father. And the older son here says, look, these many years I've served you. And in the NIV it says, I've slaved for you. So that's what he thinks of his father. He thinks his father's a slave driver, a master simply to be served, not a father. Secondly, the younger son wanted what the father had and not the father himself. And here the older son is complaining because he's not been given a goat. He has the father, but a goat is the thing that he wants. He says, you've never given me even a young goat. Thirdly, the younger son despised his family, remember? He abandoned them, he threw the family ring away. But here the older son refuses to call his brother his brother. He says to him, this son of yours, he distances himself from his family. And he kind of smears the father as well with it, which is pretty nasty. Most importantly, the younger son broke the relationship with the father. And just look at here in verse 29 how the older son uh, speaks to his father. He says to him, verse 29, but he answered his father, look. He doesn't even say to him, father, I think you've got this wrong. He says, look. And in the end, he treats his father transactionally. So, hope you can see, younger son, the older son, neither of them wanted the father himself, only what he could give them. So what's the difference, is the question. What's the application for us? How is it that at the end of the story, one of them is in the family home with the father and the other one's outside, refusing to go in? What's the difference? Well, the difference we see in verse 17 and 18. Look at verse 17. This is when the young man calls his father, father three times. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then when he comes to him and he's on his knees, he says, father. That's the difference. That's the only difference that counts in the end. So I want to ask you, where are you in the story? Are you an older brother? Have you been here every Sunday, putting the chairs out, working hard? Or are you a younger brother? Have you spent a lot of your life away from God? 
I want to say to you, how do you see God? It doesn't really matter which one of those you have been. What matters now is, how do you see God? Do you see him as father? Do you see him as a slave master? I love here that Jesus is teaching us the grace of God. Because if you have eyes to see this, Jesus is telling a story about a father who goes out to find his son. And Jesus, the one who's telling the story, is the father's work, sending someone to come and find us. That's what I love about this story. You're God's child, whether you know that or not. You might be dead in your sin, you might be lost, but you're still God's child. And I hope you can see that from this passage, and I hope that you see the welcome and the reception you'll get if you come back to him. A God who celebrates because he's found his child that he's lost. Right, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this parable that the Lord Jesus told. We thank you for how it actually shows us that sometimes we have the wrong idea about you. Perhaps we think about you as a slave driver. Perhaps we want nothing to do with you. But actually, Father, you are our great father. You delight in us when we come back to you. So please help us to know that love that you have for us. Help us not to come to you ashamed or scared, but with the confidence that you will receive us. Um, if we come back to you and know you as Father. So help us, please, to know you as Father, whatever state that we're in. Thank you for the robe that you place on our shoulders and the ring that you put on our finger. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.